It looked like real football out there. Finally, welcome Bird Gang on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Pajama football is no more. The Cardinals put the pads on Tuesday. First time this training camp, the hits were loud. The trash talk even louder. As DJ Humphrey said after, it was fun. Highlights straight ahead, plus what the GM had to say about Clayton Toon and the 2024 NFL Draft. Yeah, I'm not kidding. But first, preseason TV news. It's Cardinals covered to episode 658, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5, he's in again. Some more Murray Magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. Let's start here. The press release hit my inbox at 11.15 Wednesday morning. It read, the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals Broadcast Network will produce all three of the Cardinals preseason games that can be seen locally in Phoenix on 12 News beginning Friday, August 11th versus Denver. It continued. Team reporter Danny Sarek highlights the coverage. And it basically, I just stopped reading after that. I'm pleasantly surprised because right before we started recording, we were talking about what we wanted to talk about on this episode, and you didn't tell me what you wanted to open with. You said, I've got something, be on your toes. And I was thinking it was going to be something bad that I had said or done. Wait, 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 wait. this is a very pleasant surprise. Thank you, Craig. When I say that, your first instinct is negative. Not necessarily negative, but I I don't think I've quite mastered uh, having a great filter around you guys in terms (laughs) of like knowing that if I say something ridiculous, or sarcastic that it's going to end up on podcast or radio some form or fashion but thank you very excited um to do sideline for those normally it's you know the those broadcasts during the season are, are national so we don't have um like that kind of broadcast coverage with the exception of preseason and last year one of our games was nationally broadcast. I was out of town in a wedding for another, so I only got one opportunity last year in Tennessee, which was a lot of fun. So I'm very much looking forward to having that opportunity for all three preseason games this year. What Commissioner Paul, excuse me, what Commissioner Roger Goodell. Were you going to say Paul Calvisi? Uh, well, no, no. <laughs> not, no, 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 no. I was thinking actually Paul Tagliabue, which I don't know where that was from. But my guess is, is based off your experience in the past, that they said, you know what, forget Cardinals national television in the preseason. We need local broadcasts. We want more Danny Sarek on the sidelines. So not only people in Arizona can see you, but when the NFL Network picks up the replays late nights, later in the week, mom and dad can watch that's exactly what Roger Goodell is spending his time doing uh no well I'm pretty sure that first game against uh the Chi Broncos, Broncos. against the Broncos is already like live that's on right NFL it is Network. picked up on NFL Network you're right so that one will already air there so you've got that one which <laughs> is a week from this Friday by the way Whoa. you say August 11th and it doesn't really register until you say one week from Friday as in this coming Friday And then you've got, you mentioned the Chiefs and then the game in Minnesota. There'll be radio as well. Paul Calvisi, Drew Stanton will handle the Broncos and Chiefs games. Then Calvisi and Jay Feely on radio at the Vikings game. But again, you know, 
forget Paul. Just listen to Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley. But again, the highlight is you Thanks, on the Craig. sidelines. I appreciate that. You'll be working hard too. Will I? Uh, you tell me. Well, I guess that will, will be to be determined. I have, you know, it's You'll be working. Whatever the fine executive producer, Jim Omohundra, who is within earshot here of this broadcast, tells me to do, that is what I do. You might not be working hard, but you will be working. And we'll take what we can get, Craig. I appreciate that. All right, pleasantries aside. Here on Tuesday, August 1st, the first padded practice of training camp powered by Cox, head coach Jonathan Gannon. Before practice, quote, we're going to cut it loose, end quote. I don't really know if they cut it loose. There was some hitting. There was some collisions, as DJ Humphreys referenced. But I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't feel that same intensity that I was anticipating. Now it was the latter half of practice, the last 45 minutes, in which we saw some one-on-one linemen, pass catchers, DBs, and then teamwork. But, okay, they're in pads. It was a little bit more physical, but I was hoping for a little bit more, maybe just because it's been so long and we're waiting now until day six. So, But that was just my initial reaction right during those one-on-ones you could definitely feel the extra juice from those dbs which you would expect right they they pretty much have that juice every single day in or not in pads um i agree i i think maybe that's also just you know seeing clips online of all these other teams and the hype of pads right everyone wants to to have that big burst of energy or you know maybe see like a fight or two right like you want to see that but that's just not realistic that's not something that Jonathan Gannon is going to tolerate um so I'm I'm hoping that once we see more padded practices later throughout the week and then moving on throughout training camp maybe we'll see some more of that this might just still kind of be trying to not necessarily get your feet wet right but practicing in pads is very different than not obviously and the fact that this is the first one is maybe just kind of getting settled and kind of getting used to things and maybe once they start to feel more comfortable, you know, you can start seeing some of that swag come out and, and we'll feel that energy. It's a good point. It's been seven months since these players have been in pads. And then I'm sure JG has this team so conditioned based off what happened on back to football, back to back, back to football weekend as far as seeing Dennis Daly and LJ Collier ejected from practice because of a little pushing and shoving. Maybe that's in the back of their mind as well because any lost reps right now are going to be huge because this is all about competing, starting spots, backup spots, just to make that 53-man roster. You need to be on the football field. Right. You need to be able to have that energy, have that passion and that juice without losing your temper, right? Keep it keep it contained, and that's what you need to see. Because when asked, uh, you know, week one of training camp at one of his press conferences. I can't tell you what day it was because I can't even tell you what day it is today. Um, Gannon had said that the reason there's no tolerance for fighting is because you can't do it in a game. So why would you allow it in practice? So, No fisticuffs, no skirmishes. There was some jawing, and the loudest that I heard, first of all, and then saw was Michael Wilson and Christian Matthew. That was, was after one-on-ones. That was one-on-ones. And it was Wilson who got the best of the second-year corner. But again, later on, they were still going at it one another. But good good respect between the two. But 
I'm impressed by Michael Wilson because I didn't think we had not seen that side of him. I will say from my angle, it looked like Christian Matthew was a little handsy. Okay. Looked like there might have been, you know, he was pretty wrapped up on him. So I wonder if, you know, just Michael Wilson feeling that maybe words were exchanged afterwards. That would not be uncommon. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, you know, you want to see guys, you know, like kind of stand up for themselves and, and, you know, their teammates rush to help them. But again, you don't want it to go overboard you don't want anybody breaking a hand on a helmet or anything like that and it's bragging rights if nothing else because later on during dinner team meetings the next day it's that I got you and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're keeping score and who's winning and you want to see that good back and forth and I think we did see that during one-on-ones in the other side of the football field it was O-line D-line and trying to get an idea who those five offensive linemen are going to be the backups and then what your rotation is going to be at the D-line spot, and then your edge rushers. But, again, everyone's looking at certain individuals, and I found myself focusing on number 70. Paris Johnson Jr. is a mountain of a man. He looked very, very good, but he had six inches and 80 pounds on Dennis Garduck on a couple of those reps. So first impressions are important. It was first day in pads, but I like what I saw out of the rookie. Right, and you don't expect to be perfect. There was a move where, you know, obviously they're not going full contact, they're not tackling, but Cam Thomas did beat him on a swim move and would have sacked the quarterbacks, right? But but that's what you expect from a rookie. That's, this is the time to kind of learn all of that. And even when DJ Humphreys talked to the media after practice, he was talking about Paris Johnson and John Gaines, the rookie offensive linemen, and how keen they are to the playbook and, and how they've been picking everything up and their effort and – while it's only day one in pads, right? The fact that your most tenured, he's the most tenured Cardinal, isn't he at this point? Humphreys is, yeah. Right? But but to have DJ Humphreys recognize that, I think says a lot. Um, when it comes to rotation, it, it really feels like that's what they're going to do with the D-line, that they're truly going to be on a rotation. I feel like throughout camp at this point, you can, you can say for most position groups, you have a feel – for what the first team, the starters would look like, right? Who's getting those first team reps pretty consistently. And it feels like the defensive line is the one position where they're constantly rotating the combinations and who's starting, who's second team. That's what it feels like. Like that's really going to just be a constant rotation. Overall of practice, it's kind of interesting to say that I feel like the defense had a better day than the offense. And I say that because, I mean, expectations don't mean anything, But coming into the season, which we've had other seasons where we said this before, right? When you're looking at offense and defense, you look at the offense as a stronger unit as a whole. I would, you know, I think the safety duo in Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, that is arguably maybe your strongest, you know, pairing on the team. But as a whole, right, you look at the offense probably being a little stronger than the defense, um, especially when you start to look at, you know, those, those front seven on defense. So it's interesting that I felt like the defense had a better day than practice. And it wasn't just picks. It just seemed like they were reading what the offense was doing. And they were getting through the line of scrimmage, not with ease, but they were doing it on a consistent basis. So it was just kind of interesting to see that the defense was having a better day than the offense. Quarterback scrambling to evade the rush, get out of trouble, DBs stepping into the passing lane breaking up passes Josh Woods did have an interception and I'll say this Danny plug here for the Red Sea Report 
Earlier on Tuesday, Josh Woods joined myself and Paul Calvisi. You come on the Red Sea Report, that day in practice, you stand out. So partially responsible for Josh Woods' performance on Tuesday. Well, give me a heads up on who you're going to interview next week so I can keep <laughs> my eye on them and my phone on them throughout practice. Another person that has looked good, and not just on Tuesday, but flip it over to the offense, and that is tight end Noah Tongiai who has zero career catches in his career. He was the first official transaction after Jonathan Gannon was hired. Yes, Noah is from the Philadelphia Eagles, and he just seems to be, one, always in the right spot. Two, whenever the football is thrown his way, he makes the catch, makes the effort, whether it's a diving catch or a lunging catch. But he just seems to – you look up and you're like, 81 again. And you look down and you're like, oh, yeah, that's Tungiai. Now, on Tuesday, this Cardinals team was down four tight ends. No Zach Ertz, no Trey McBride. Once again, for a while there, I didn't even see him anywhere on the field. He kind of disappeared on me. Jeff Swain was out there but not participating in 7-on-7 or 11-on-11. And then Joel Hungerford, the undrafted free agent out of Michigan, he was standing and watching. So, an opportunity for the tight ends to get a lot of reps, and it was 81, Tangiai. It was Bernard Sykovitz, number 80, getting a lot of those reps with the first unit. Well, Togiai has been getting looks even with those other tight ends being out there, and, and we know to expect more 12, 13 personnel. And right now, if you don't have Zach Ertz, we don't know what's going on with Trey McBride, all we've been told from head coach Jonathan Gannon is that it's nicks and bruises, but apparently bumps and bruises. Bumps and Couple bru of nicks, bumps and bruises. Yeah. Apparently he's bruised enough to where he's not really practicing, neither is Hollywood Brown. So if you're already down Zach Ertz and Trey McBride, Jeff Swaim is next. And then and then I think Noah Togiai. And again, up until this point at camp, he's been getting a lot of reps. It seems like this coaching staff likes what they see out of him. Now there was a new addition to the tight end group on Tuesday. Did you happen to see a different colored uniform lined up next to the right tackle a couple of times? Black jersey, number 19. Jeff Driscoll lined up in a three-point stance when we got to the third-team offense. And I was talking with Darren Urban on the sideline. I was like, what are they doing? Until I realized, well, they're running out of tight ends. You need a placeholder there. But Driscoll at 6'4", 235, does kind of have that tight end body. But it was odd to see whether it was Colts or Clayton or David Blatton, and all of a sudden there is Jeff Driscoll lined up on the line of scrimmage. Just like, what are you doing? But when you need an emergency tight end, you need to fill that spot with somebody, and they did it with a quarterback. Yeah, I am intrigued when we, when we, if we, you know, figure out what, what exactly Hollywood Brown and Trey McBride are dealing with because you wouldn't think it's injuries that kind of affected them last year this time last year Trey McBride was dealing with back however he played throughout the season Hollywood Brown had his foot injury however he said he's fine so it's just kind of interesting of what exactly are they dealing with we don't know but they're not practicing they were out, both of them were out there at one point you know helmets in hand pads on but not not really participating Hollywood Brown did a few like individual stuff and then when it became the teamwork he was not participating Keontae Ingram again second year running back he has been present just hasn't done anything not even position work the past two days the only player that we know of that has been given an injury designation is my Jay Sanders who is wearing a cast on his right hand 
And according to JG, we'll be back, quote, pretty soon. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But at least, one, it's just good to see my Jay watching practice because the first couple of days after he left practice early, he was just MIA. It does seem like, though, the cast is getting smaller, right? It was like the soft cast and it was a brace, and now it just kind of looks like, I don't know if it's a hand or more so a thumb. It doesn't look like a full brace that's covering like his wrist and his full hand. It looked like more just his thumb was pretty isolated. So who knows? Need him back on the field. Need B.J. Ojolari to get off pup because without those two, you look at that pass rush and the inexperience at pass rush because right now if Zayvon Collins and Dennis Gardick are one two whether which side of the line of scrimmage they're lined up against I mean Gardick has done it but it's been two years since his breakout season if you will when Chandler Jones got hurt and then for Zayvon it's a it's a brand new position and I think it's as much as we're all excited about it that's a lot to put on someone's plate I also think it's a lot to put on B.J. Ojolari, though, with, with, right? I mean, right, he is experienced. It's not a question. He's experienced in college. And so when he comes back, I mean, you're hoping he comes off the pup list and is able to get enough practice in or maybe even a preseason game or two to try and get some sort of routine down and get a feel for going up against, you know, NFL's offensive linemen, right? Not just who you're going off in college. So obviously he has that experience, but I, I'm not even fully confident of expecting that B.J. can – come back and immediately be one of your starters because we don't know anything. He didn't participate on the field throughout the offseason because we now know he was nursing a knee injury that he had a procedure on after the draft. So there's a lot of question marks and obviously you have high hopes, but I don't know if it's fair to say we have high expectations for BJ Ojolari. Obviously you do from where he was drafted and what he did in college, but it's just hard to expect a rookie to come in maybe what a week or two let's say before the regular season starts and be ready to go fully week one in Washington miss that first preseason game at this point perhaps play against the Chiefs do you play against the Vikings because you're right it's that delicate balance that all front offices and coaching staffs go through is especially with young guys that you expect to contribute they need their reps Yet if they're dealing with something, you don't want them to miss a lot of time. So what do you do with an Ojolari who certainly has a role and could be your number one pass rusher based off, as you mentioned, what he did in college? But in order to do that, you need to see it in action. This might be a situation, I kind of think back to like Zayvon Collins almost, where you play them – more as a utility player as they're starting to understand the playbook and kind of get used to the speed of the game and grasp everything. And then throughout the season, you start to play them more is kind of what I would imagine you might have to do with B.J. Ojolari the longer you, you know, he's out, the closer you get to the regular season starting at this point. Obvious passing downs, second and long, third and long to where all of a sudden there runs 18 out on the football field for one snap. And it's the role is – very defined, go get the quarterback. And that's basically what you tell them until you're right. You get those reps more comfortable within the playbook. Your conditioning is better. I hope we don't get to that point, but this is the first full week of training camp. And, again, pass rush to me remains the biggest question mark because if you don't have anyone to get after the opposing quarterback, then all of a sudden those guys in the secondary, as good as they might be, especially at safety, doesn't matter. 
because no one can cover for five, six, seven, eight seconds. Right. And and again, it's like, yeah, the safeties, we, we know we have trust in the safeties, right? I think people have trust even in Isaiah Simmons coming in, which from what we've seen in the open practices look like he's going to come in as the nickel when, when the Cardinals have one linebacker and then it's when they've had two linebackers come out there. It's usually been Kaiser White and maybe a Josh Woods. Um, that's when Isaiah leaves the field. But I mean, even looking at cornerbacks in the coverage, I feel, I think I was talking to you about this the other day at practice on the field. It's, you know, I feel, I feel confident that Marco Wilson can make that jump as your starting cornerback. It's intriguing to me of what this coaching staff sees at Antonio Hamilton is getting more reps on the third string um, as opposed to being a starter or even like second string cornerback, which he's getting a few, but a lot of those third team reps um, but having Christian Matthew has been the starting cornerback opposite of Marco Wilson, which is interesting to me. Again, a player who this time last year was already wearing the pads for for being a little grabby. And like I said, the one-on-ones on practice Tuesday with Michael Wilson again had his hands all over him. So it's 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 a question mark for me for sure on, on who's going to be your second starting cornerback. What you like about Matthew is his length, 6'2", 195. Keytrell Clark, your sixth-round pick, has been getting consistent first and or second team reps, and that's someone that I was not expecting a whole lot from just because of where he was drafted late on day three. Garrett Williams, I have seen on the sideline, not yet in uniform, but he does seem to be maybe – closer and again this is just me reading the tea leaves as far as how was that ACL recovery that he suffered a year ago in Syracuse can he get back on the football field sometime here at State Farm Stadium not back in Tempe or in Minnesota but here at State Farm Stadium and then perhaps play his way back into the rotation yeah again a a lot of question marks of these rookies that you know you with what you would expect from how they performed in college and you know assuming the transition into the NFL rookies that could come in and, and make an impact and be first or second string, but dealing with an injury and having to be careful, it just, it changes the way you build a team. One more rookie to discuss. And that is the quarterback Clayton tune who on Tuesday, we did see work behind the first team offense. He got his regular reps with the second team. And that is someone that has certainly captured a lot of people's attention with Kyler Murray on the sideline, not sure when he will be back, and then Colt McCoy. I still believe, and I'm going to say it, 100%, Colt McCoy is your starter week one. But there seems to be this groundswell with Clayton Toon, and more and more people want to see him. And, yes, I'm intrigued. I just think that is so much to put on someone's plate as a fifth-round rookie quarterback, let alone a first- or second-round rookie quarterback I mean there's no there's no way I'm telling you that right now there's no way Clayton Toon is starting the regular season season over Colt McCoy if they are both equally healthy I mean that's just Colt has so much more experience and understanding of so much more about the game at this level you're right I don't necessarily think that's fair to put a, a, a rookie drafted that late a rookie quarterback in that position um, it is great though it, it is great that it seems like he's earned that spot right now as you know, QB2 behind Colt McCoy with Kyler Murray still sidelined. And that's that's what you want. If you're going to draft a quarterback, you want him to be able, right, to probably draft him for the future and have him be Kyler Murray's backup moving forward. Um, I, I think it's also partially of, 
you got to start mixing guys, right? You can't just have the starters only practice with the starters and second string, right? Because that's not how the regular season is going to pan out. So I think we're starting to see a little bit of that combination, right? Mixing people around. Um, and I think that's probably what we were seeing with some of the Clayton tune. But um, to me, it makes it really just doesn't make sense to why you'd want to start a rookie quarterback and, and then try and get Kyler, right? You're, you're trying to keep yourself afloat. <laughs> And I think Colt McCoy gives you a better chance to do that than starting Clayton Toon. Now you say that. I say that. We heard from GM Monty Austin Ford after practice, and he was very complimentary of Toon. He has approached training camp, quote, like a pro. Fun to see him grow. And the early looks, quote, have been promising. Now people can read into that as you wish. You're asked a question as a general manager. You're giving a response, but it does seem like they hey they one they drafted him for a reason and then two he's made them look good so far but it is well early not only in his career but training camp here yeah I mean again that's what you would want at this point is quarterback who seems like he's putting in the work on and off the field and to be prepared and have already earned that spot behind again QB one at the moment and Colt McCoy um, but there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot of football to be not necessarily played, but I guess practice, right, and through preseason games. And I think those preseason games are where we're going to learn a lot about how this coaching staff and, and front office even views the quarterback battle behind Colt McCoy. Did it strike you as odd the number of questions Monty got about 2024? Yes. And the number of draft picks and the potential of picking and, high or, or quarterback middle or, or low. what position yeah. there. Yes, that did strike me as odd in his press conference considering, in fact, we're at training camp and, and <laughs> we're far ways away from from the draft. And it's also like, I mean, come on. Like, do you really think your general manager is going to answer the question of, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to start looking at drafting a quarterback, a.k.a. a special quarterback out of the West Coast who's now spending time with the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, all but saying Caleb Williams' name. Right? I mean, we're not going to hear that, especially this this far away from the draft and when everyone is focused on this season and the players on this team. Yeah, it was a little strange to me. I love Monty's response. Quote, I'm just trying to get through Tuesday when asked about what may or may not be on the table with respects to next year's draft. I understand it from a fan perspective, even in the media. And yes, you have the opportunity to talk to the general manager during training camp, which since I've been covering this team, Danny – and that goes well back to 2000. The general manager, to my knowledge, at least my immediate recollection, has never addressed the local media during training camp. So props to Monty for speaking. Absolutely. And I understand that, yeah, we're all curious, but, I mean, these 2023 rookies haven't even completed their first year yet. And we're Let's already take a breath. <laughs> we're already looking ahead to 2024 and – the 11 picks, if you include the one comp pick that's projected, so it, it, did, it did strike me as a little odd as opposed to why aren't we just focusing on the roster right now and perhaps the decisions that need to be made at certain positions or contracts or whatever. But, yeah, there were three or four questions and some follow-up questions like what can we just play 2023 and then deal with 2024 when we get there? All right, let's see, see how everyone pans out. Let's see what we've got. And then we'll talk about the draft after the season. Anything else stand out on Tuesday, Danny? Hmm. Outside, really? again, of the brilliantly written press release I that I, I just focused. That, I'll, and, and the other thing is because, you know, 
via the mailbag. It's not team reporter Danny Sarek. It's the great Danny no, Sarek. And that, so highly. And that was goodness. not part of the press release. So I didn't know if you could certainly know that it was not Darren who wrote the press release or myself that wrote the press release. I mean, we talk about high expectations for the players. The way you and Darren talk about me, jeez, high expectations. Well, you are part of the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals broadcast network. so Right, yes, but I haven't. And you are not a rookie. I'm not a rookie. We're not My talking goodness, about Craig. we're not talking about your replacement a year from now or two years oh from now. Oh my gosh, Craig, jeez Louise. I'm going to I'm going to take a page from Monty's book and say I'm just trying to get through what is today <laughs> Tuesday? Come on. Bird gang, write it down. Friday, August 11th, make sure you're in front of your television set 6:30 pregame, 7 p.m. kickoff on 12 News for those that are listening out of the area. Just hope that the NFL Network is carrying it live, which they are on that first game, or you catch the replay down the road. Should be a fun time. And at least, like, we'll be indoors with a roof in all three games. So you're the only one that cares about any of that. I'm always indoors. Oh, I learned in Tennessee. God, it was so humid. <laughs> it was so humid. Yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for all the three preseason games. All three yes. preseason games, yeah. And then I'll be totally fine with weather for games until we hit December. What happens if Calvisi misses a game or has to miss and you've got to go to well, the fine. East Coast and Philadelphia or Chicago in well, December? That's, oh. Well, that's the thing is I've, <laughs> you know, when we normally have to kind of rotate roles on the broadcast side, it's usually on the Christmas or Christmas Eve game when I, when Paul heads up to the booth and I fill in for Paul down on the sideline for radio and I believe the Christmas Eve game is in the Windy City and, and lovely Chicago. Beautiful place to visit at the end of December. I'm already looking forward to it. <laughs> Talk about looking too far ahead here. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your prep for a week from Friday. It will be here before you know it. Again, Emmy Award winning Cardinals Broadcast Network featuring Danny Sarek. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, also our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. <laughs>